you an event planner or organizer looking for a keynote speaker with a fresh new perspective that packs a serious punch? Someone who captivates your audience and inspires them to create lasting changes in their lives. Someone who has a compelling story to share that will leave your audience believing in themselves like they've never done before. I'm Rebecca Hamilton, founder and CEO of Chick Boss Cake, author of The Million Dollar Bakery, host of this podcast, Scrap the Sweet Talk, and I am your girl. To book me as a speaker for your next event, go to RebeccaHamiltonCo.com. Hey, I'm Rebecca Hamilton, founder and CEO of Chick Boss Cake. Thanks for joining me on my Scrap the Sweet Talk podcast, where I'll be sharing all my best life and business tips and tricks on how I've created the life of my dreams and how you can too. I'm a no-nonsense, full disclosure, sweet talk scrapping woman entrepreneur who believes in taking charge of your life and ridding yourself of all the excuses that are holding you back. This is a really exciting time for my podcast, Scrap the Sweet Talk, because it is my first podcast series and really the first time I've opened up my podcast to have guests on my show. I was inspired by International Women's Day and I felt like I was called to do this series from God or the universe. I just felt like he brought these amazing women into my life and gave me a platform to allow me the opportunity to share their stories with women all over the world. I'm blessed to be surrounded by these incredible women and it would be extremely selfish if I kept them and their stories all to myself. So I'm really excited to share them with you guys. They are filled with life lessons and valuable tips and advice on how to overcome the toughest challenges that life has thrown our way. You guys, like you guys though, you guys are in for a serious treat with this series. So be sure to subscribe so that you get notified when a new episode launches. And please leave me a review on my podcast to show your love and support. I would be so grateful. On this episode of Scrap the Sweet Talk podcast, we're going to be talking to Vanessa. And Vanessa is one of my friends and she has a very amazing, inspiring story to share. And I'm really excited that she has agreed to come on my podcast and share it with everybody. Um, and uh, over the time that I've gotten to know Vanessa, uh, she is just a really amazing human being. She's so kind and she's my hiking buddy. We like to go hiking together and get our workouts in because she is all about health and fitness, which I need more of in my life. So I love having a friend like Vanessa. <laughs> so welcome Vanessa to my podcast. Thanks for being here. Thank you for having me on. 
Yeah, I'm super excited. So, uh, so why don't you tell everybody just a little bit about you, kind of what you're doing right now, and then we'll get into your story in a second. So currently, I'm a stay-at-home mom, which is a huge life change for me. Previously, I was working full-time 13 years in healthcare, helping other people in a hospital setting. So now I'm really just finding my groove as being mom, uh, what that looks like being home full-time and the responsibilities of that, and really focusing on my self-care and fitness and health has really been a big thing and healing um, from what I went through 10 months ago now, which is hard to believe it's only been, like it's been 10 months. Wow. It's grown a lot. So um, yeah, April will be one year from my kind of traumatic experience in my life. That's kind of turned my path a different way. So yeah, that's kind of what I'm up to and just kind of finding what my passion is and what my focus should be right now. That's amazing. Yeah, I love that. So, um, okay, so let's start with your story. So tell me about a time in your life where you faced a significant challenge. Really about a year ago, I was really getting into being healthy. I really wasn't feeling my best self. So um, I'd really been working on my exercise and healthy eating and getting my morning practice that I do. Um, So that was before. And I had um, signed up for surgery for hysterectomy, um, just struggling with female things for a lot of my life. So that was a choice. And I was ready to go for that. I was really, really good health, good fitness. I'd been really kind of working up to that before surgery. And I thought the surgery went well and I was home um, for about seven days. And then I started to have a lot of pain, more pain um, than when I initially had the surgery. And I thought like something's wrong. Um, I don't know, maybe my appendix. I wasn't really thinking it was anything wrong from the first surgery. So I did go into um, the hospital by ambulance because the pain was so bad. I wasn't able to walk and I thought there's something wrong. Like I need to go in. This isn't, this doesn't seem right. Mm -hmm. Um, That in itself was traumatic. So I took the ambulance ride to the hospital and found out um, through an MRI that I actually had my bowel had a hole in it and had been leaking for that whole week. So it was a complication from my first surgery from the laparoscopic hysterectomy that they must have hit my bowel somehow. So I had to go for emergency uh, surgery that night, bowel surgery. So they needed to cut that piece of bowel that was broken and cut it out and retach it which is major surgery. Both both of them were major surgeries, but to have this on top of it, um, mm-hmm. they did have to yeah, cut from my belly button to my pubic bone. So that's cutting through layers of muscle and tissue and all that and pulling out the bowel and figuring out what was going on. So from that, the surgery went well. And then I was admitted to hospital for monitoring and then IV antibiotics because I had a horrific um, infection called peritonitis. So basically your abdomen is infected. And from that too, like they basically kept telling me that you're lucky to be alive, that you're lucky you came in when you did, because it is a life-threatening condition. It can kill you if it's not dealt with. Um, Yeah, they kept saying, you know, it's so good that you listened to your body and came in. So (laughs) I'm grateful that I did, that I thought, you know, there is something wrong and I need to see what that is. So um, I would say then being admitted into hospital, I was in there for nine days and this was during COVID. So there was no family, nobody can come in to see you. You are isolated in your room. And I was having um, IV antibiotics around the clock trying to fight the infection. I was sick. I have never been this sick in my life. So weakness, not able to move, um, needles and IV and all that stuff that's just has to be done to save you and to help you. But it's different. And I come from a role of helping other people in healthcare and being the provider. So now it's a role turned on me to now be the patient. So 
Um, it was definitely an eye-opening life experience that just made me view life in a different light. It made me view priorities in life a different way and also gratitude for health and what had I done before. Because if I had not done all that work before, I don't know how well I would have gotten through it because I wasn't really good health before um, all of this happened too. So that makes sense. Yeah. Wow. Like that. I obviously I, I knew your story, um, but I mean, anytime that you reshare it or explain it is like, it's so crazy because I can't even imagine like how that would have felt in like, you know, being in like an, a situation that is like a life threatening situation. And, you know, that really changed your perception of what you want to do, right? At what point did you realize that it was you could have died? And then and then at what point did you realize you wanted to change your life? I think being, I don't know, it's been a long journey. But in that hospital stay, like I felt completely alone, scared, am I going to make it? Like, are these IV, is this antibiotic going to kill this infection? Because it wasn't working initially. So I was having fevers. I was kind of delusional, like hallucinating, like all of this really stuff when you're sick, when you're really sick. Um, So once I came out of that, I kind of felt like, you know, is, is this kind of my wake up call to my life to be like, should I be working still? Is that really my passion mm-hmm. is to be home with my kids to, to really give my love to them because it's challenging being a working mom with kids as well. Am I stretching myself too thin with what I was doing before with working and kids and everything? So I, I feel like kind of through that process, I, it came to light. It was kind of like one of those calls, like maybe I don't want to go back to working because like life can change in an instant something can change. You know, uh, things are not guaranteed. We don't know kind of what is going to happen in our life. And it's just like a blessing really that we get every, every day to wake up and do what we love or to be around our loved ones or whatever that is for each person. So, yeah, so I guess that, I guess kind of a little bit in hospital, I was thinking about it. And then eventually once I got home, so that was nine days after and I got home and I was really sick and I was still on more antibiotics for a couple more weeks to keep fighting this infection because it was getting better. Um, but I wasn't able to like get up and cook or walk or, um, do much. So like my, I was in bed most of the time I had hubby doing a lot of, I don't even know how he managed because it was online school for the kids too. So he was working oh full time. I do online schooling with the kids. I'm in the hospital, the housework, you know, everything. So mm-hmm. my mom was a huge help. His parents came over to help too. Um, but then being back at home and right, I'm used to being going and going like active, doing all kinds of things. And I can't, I think phys- I physically can't, I'm so super weak. So I had a lot of time in bed. <laughs> so thinking like, you know, like, I don't know if I really want to go, back to a job that I love parts of it, but there's other parts I didn't like. And the environment too, wasn't it? It was a toxic environment. So that really came to light. Like, wow, like I really deal with a lot of not nice stuff at my job. Like, is this really worth it? So kind of a mix of that. And then over time of healing, because it was a six to eight week, you know, healing before I could exercise again after the surgery. So I kind of, through my practices that I'd done before I was doing that um, at home. So I kind of could evaluate and think about it more. I had time to slow down. I had to slow down. So I had to think about things. Yeah. I mean, that's crazy. And and I feel like it would be so difficult to, like you said, be at home in your regular environment and not be 
actually able to do this, like to do everyday things. And I feel like a lot of us take that for granted. And then all of a sudden, when you're sick like that, you are like, I literally can't do anything. You just feel so helpless. And not only that, but you just feel like crap too. Like you're just feeling awful. Right. And so, Mm -hmm. um, you were saying about how you were in the hospital for nine days, you were saying, and like, you you weren't allowed to have visitors because of COVID and stuff. Take me back to that time. I'm going to assume that would be like your darkest time when you're just, you're literally in a hospital setting, which is not enjoyable for anybody to be in. It's scary. And you're not allowed to have visitors and and like nine days would feel like forever in that situation. So tell me about that. (laughs) It felt like you were in, I don't know, it really put perspective what my patients go through, what my patients went through. Like Mm -hmm. you're basically chained in your room you're not able to leave because it was COVID too. And I wasn't able to walk very far. I could only really walk to the bathroom and back with the pain and energy that I had. So yeah, you feel alone. Um, You feel kind of shocked, scared. I was in so much pain. I was like, am I going to make it through to live some days in the early days? Because I was like, I don't know. Like I, I, it was, yeah. Um, A big part of it is my faith. Like, so I am very, um, I believe in God. I'm a Christian. So I prayed a lot. I, um, that was a big thing for me because I, I can only rely on myself so much. So I had to have something else that was like giving me that support. And for me, faith was that. So, um, praying, but also talking to my family too. So like talking to the kids, seeing them on zoom and my husband and them saying like, you know, you're in a good spot, you're going to get better. You're going to heal. So that family support, Mm-hmm. Um, but I really feel like honestly, it was a bit of faith and it was a bit of my family because I, it was, it was hard. It was really hard. And I guess it was just trying to take it like minute by minute, day by day, take it one day at a time. And, um, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, you really feel for people who are in hospital. And that was the other thing I'm a, in a caregiver role. So I could really feel bad for those people who were in there for months. Like I would work with people who had been several months in rehab and weren't going home and what that must be like. So it was very eye opening, just like a full circle kind of feeling. Yeah, that's actually so true um, that you bring that up because a lot of uh, like a healthcare workers and stuff like that, like they don't have those experiences to like know what it's actually like to be in a hospital setting. That's really scary. And it's like, you're, you're, you're really sick, obviously, or you wouldn't be there. And, you know, you don't have your family or your friends. And like, I mean, it's such a different perspective when you're there to work and to do a job, but you also get to go home to your family at the end of the day. Whereas these, these patients that are in there are staying there overnight. And sometimes, like you said, for months, Oh my gosh. Yeah. Like that would definitely put things into perspective as a healthcare provider, like you were saying. And I had a unique role. So I played as a recreation therapist. So a lot of the time, those patients we helped, like we, they were like family to us because we were the ones going in visiting with them. We were the ones getting them out of bed to go for a walk or engage in some kind of meaningful leisure for them. So, um, I could see it full circle, the impact that we make in that role. And I think too, in healthcare, a lot of people lose that touch over years and especially the pandemic and the stresses and the short staffing um, and a lot of burnout for those in that field. So it's, I don't know, it was, I kind of felt called to step away from that field because it's so, it's such a challenging field to be in. Um, but yeah, it is. It's really interesting. And it was like, I know I cried because I felt bad for these patients. Like this is me for nine days. I can't imagine somebody 
like months after months because I was on a slow stream rehab floor. So people were there more long-term what it was like. Yeah. You were a healthcare worker. And like you were saying, like you just, you naturally over time, any job, if you do it for years and years and years, you kind of lose, you don't let, I wouldn't say some people probably don't lose the passion for it, but like you kind of get, um, I don't know the word, like you get desensitized to it, I guess, where it's, you don't recognize this is so significant to this person because you, maybe you deal with 50 patients a day, but like each individual person is like, it is a huge deal to them. Whereas like you're, you're just, you're here to work and stuff like that. So I can appreciate that. And like you were saying with COVID and stuff and then being really overworked and understaffed. Oh my gosh, it would be yeah. just chaos. Health, it's that healthcare is a big struggle right now. It's really like a field that I would say would be suffering. It's hard. It's really hard. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I know it's it's it seems like it's a really challenging field, like just in general, but let alone all the added pressure and stresses of it. And like I I could talk about it and think about it and I would have no suggestions other than they probably need more staff and more self-care and more programs to like help the people who are helping the people to stay yeah. you know sane and healthy themselves because a lot of these people are working, they're burnt out, they're overworked and stuff like that. And like, you can't help people when you are feeling garbage yourself. Like you're just, you're not going to help anybody. And so, yeah, I mean, I think that there there should be more of an emphasis on how well these caretakers are taking care of themselves, like mentally, physically, emotionally, um, in order for them to be able to do a, a good job at their job. Right. Yeah. And there's not a lot of that support. I think there could, they could do a lot better. And I mean, again, it's funding too, but there mm -hmm. needs a lot more support for that for sure. And I come from a background in my training of more like holistic health and looking at the whole person and person centered. Um, Whereas in, I don't know, nursing or it, it, it's different. They have so many patients, right? And they have to get their job done. They have charting to do the different things. So it's harder to look at that person and have time for each person, like as a person too, in that field. That makes sense. It's so interesting. And yeah, like it's really a really cool perspective for you to have like have done that work for years and then also have gone through your own experience of that. And then, you know, deciding for yourself that it's it, like what made you decide to go quit your job and be a stay at home mom? What was the factor in that? I think, well, I commuted 45 minutes each way. So and I was there for almost 10 years. So that was a big part, the commute and the time away. Also, it's a job where you're giving to people all the time. And I mean, a lot of focus, a lot of attention. And I have young kids, um, you know, at the time were five and seven. So they need a lot of attention. And it's just to manage them both. I'm burnt out. I can't give the best to work and I can't give the best to my family. And I just felt like I couldn't go back there. I just, I, I couldn't put myself in that situation and certain areas too, like the area I worked in was a toxic environment. It was um, constantly advocating for myself. And over the years, like it's just, you can only stand so much of it too. So I found overall, I just, my call wasn't to that anymore. I needed, I just felt like 
like I needed to be home. I needed to put time into my family that was needing that more. So, and um, like, I was going to say like into yourself too, because at this point you're basically, um, recovering, you're fragile yourself and you basically recognized that you needed to focus on yourself to get better. So that meant stepping away from your your work right to take care of yourself and you recognize that you you wouldn't be able to take care of other people to the same degree when you're going through your own health struggles Mm-hmm. And I think too, like some of being in that patient setting too, like a bit of trauma, right? Like it's a traumatic experience. So mm-hmm. I don't know if like I could actually go onto the floor and work with people and give my best after that experience. Like, and I'm not saying I would never go back um, to working. It might be in a different aspect or viewpoint or something, but I just didn't feel like it was, I just couldn't. Yeah. There's something within me. And I don't know too, if that's like, it sounds funny, like God's calling to say like, no, like this, I'm showing you your path like this is I'm showing you things like you have to choose I'm trying to show you that way so I really feel that way like this was my point in life to be like you need to go this path like and it was just evident from this experience like that's what I need to do so cool that you say that because I always believe too that obviously God has this plan and this direction for us. I feel like he will keep showing you all of these signs to point you in that direction. And if the more you keep ignoring it, then the, the bigger and the bigger the signs become. And so it honestly kind of scares me. I'll be like, once I start to notice a common trend with something and I'll be like, this is not, I don't think this is my direction. And I notice resistance towards it. I'll be like okay I'm gonna stop going down that direction because God's gonna like give me this big explosive thing that I don't want to deal with so it freaks me out so I I learned to pay really close attention to the signs and the directions that I'm being pointed towards um, because I have you know I've noticed that the more I go towards things that I am resistant to then the the more God will try to stop me from going there. So that just freaks me out. So I just try to avoid those things. Um, But I mean, I feel like that was a sign for you, right? I'm sure, you know, like you were saying, you were trying to get your health and stuff back on track even before that um, traumatic event happened. So obviously your body was trying to tell you like, you know, maybe go in a different direction, maybe slow down, maybe don't, don't go this route. And like, you just, you kind of just ignore it, ignore it, ignore it. And then all of a sudden something like that happens where it's life or death. And you're like, that is a huge wake up call and a huge sign to like, take that seriously and, and be like, yeah, like, okay, thank you, God, for showing me in the most shitty way possible. <laughs> right. Um, but you, you did take that as a sign and you did run with it and you were like, you know what, this is my, this is my wake up call. Yeah. And I feel like too, um, and I've had, I've believed in God, like I've had a spiritual path and I mean, it ebbs and flows. There's been times where I've been really far away from it and not believed and not really been involved. But after this to get through it, like there's no, I would have, I really don't think I would be here 10 months later doing what I'm doing now from, if not having that support and that in my life, like there, there's no way. And I, it's hard to describe in people who maybe are non-believers or believe something different and everyone has their opinion and, and what they feel. And that's totally cool. And I'm okay with that. I just know in my personal life, like, yeah, I, I wouldn't be where I am, where I am now, if I hadn't had that 
direction. And I feel like I'm trying to listen more because now I do feel too, like, where do I go now? What do I want to do? I'm a very like ambitious person. So, Oh, I'd love to do this. Love to do that. But like, is what is it? Like what, what is that focus kind of thing? So. Yeah, no, that's so true. It's really cool to like, um, be at a point in your life where you are more in tune to that and more in tune to, okay, like let's follow the right path. Like let's not continue to go down a different path that also feels resistance or feels yucky or doesn't feel right for us. Being in tune to that is the most powerful thing that, you know, I think that anyone can really tune into. And like you were saying, like whether people believe in God or the universe or whatever, um, um, mm-hmm. I I just think it's really important to believe in something. Like, I don't know how people don't believe in anything. I don't know how they get through life or how they, I, I, I don't know. But like, I think that you have to have a belief that's bigger than yourself in order to trust that things are going to play out for you if you are in tune to, to, to seeing the signs that, hey, this is good for me or hey, this is not. I mean, a very obvious sign is like, does it make you feel amazing? Because what I've realized this year, as I, as I, you know, progress and I try to focus on things that are my strength instead of my weakness. And I feel like whenever I'm doing these things that I love and that light me up, I feel a sense of guilt because I feel like work should feel hard and it should feel difficult. And I've realized that it it actually shouldn't feel hard or difficult. It should just feel fun and uplifting. And that is the the underlying thing that I've really learned is that I think society just has this, you know, we're taught that, you know, you should be a plumber or you should, you know, you should be in nursing or like all of these careers that like, uh, unless you actually love plumbing or love helping people and love being a nurse, like you shouldn't go down those paths. It should be something that you feel so much Mm -hmm. joy and it doesn't have to feel hard. And I think that a lot of, well, I think that everybody thinks that work should just be hard. And that's just what we've grown up believing. And, but we've never taken a moment to question why do we think that work has to be hard? Look at, there's lots of people that are doing what they love, like they're doing charity work or they're doing things that light them up and they find so much success because success is drawn to happy, fulfilled people that are doing what they love. It's not drawn to people who feel like they have to go to work and work hard in something that they don't love. Yeah. And I think too, even some signs and symptoms of anxiety, depression, um, different things show up when you're not on your calling or your path to purpose or what that is for you. Right. Mm -hmm. And it might take some people years. And honestly, um, I've always been gifted with wanting to help others. That's something within me. That's just like a core of me of helping others and being kind and motivating. And that came a lot in my job, but maybe I'm doing, I need to do that in a different way. And that's what I'm trying to kind of figure out. Maybe it's my own family life or maybe it's in fitness because I love fitness and health and I'm so passionate and it's easy to me and it's fun. Um, and I think too, it makes such an impact to me because um, I know both ends. I know what I'm like when I'm not doing it. I know what I'm like when I am doing it. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah and I do think a lot of it is like you go to a job that you don't love and you just have to do that but then like your worth and your happiness you're not a happy person right and you're not you're not giving your talents of what you're supposed to be to the world so I think that's another thing too that gets lost with just that mentality and it was hard 
I was that way. Like I would think, you know, like, no, this is a job I have. I have a really good job. I do love it. There's aspects I love of it. Um, I'm going to do this till I'm 55 and I'm going to retire. I have a pension, all this stuff. And so I really had to like in those months, so I had eight weeks on a medical leave and um, I was scheduled to go back, but I got an extension because of the healing with, with two of the surgeries. It, it was long. It was a lot longer than I thought. And I thought in my head too, like, oh, I, I'm healthy. I'll spring back. But these surgeries were like, they're slow and it was very slow. It was a lot of, you know, just getting up to walk and that was exhausting. I'd have to have a nap in the day. So just a lot of that mentality had changed, had changed too with that. But, but that, what I was saying with the job is it is hard because it is ingrained. It's like we stay with that job, but I came to the realization, like life is too short. And like, I've been given this opportunity and this light to see things in a different view. So I need to do it, even though it's hard. I have to do it. Yeah. I'm yeah. scared. What you were saying about how um, it can sh- like things will show up in our lives to point us in a different direction. But but unless we're paying attention to those signs, then we're not we're just going to keep experiencing difficulty and the signs of it'll actually show up physically in your body as anxiety, depression, um, you know, physical pain, like all of these things that are showing up you know, in our bodies and we don't take the time to question, well, well, why is that happening? Like, I'm just, I feel like it's a a lot to do with like, you're not feeling fulfilled and you're not feeling happy. And a lot of the times when people are depressed, like they don't even really know why or, or what would make them happy. But at the end of the day, like you really have to unpack the things that you're doing currently and stop justifying them. Because I feel like a lot of the times, like you were saying, what we do is we justify, yeah, this job pays well, I'll get a retirement, I will get vacation, I will get all these things. But like, what are you trading for that? You know what I mean? And it's like, once you take away those things, those are just like perks to it. But like, if you're making those justifications of, oh, like when I get to my retirement, then I'll do this. If you're looking towards retirement as your um, saving grace to do what you want to do what you love, then that's a clear sign that you're not doing what you love right now. Because I, I've worked jobs before too. And I'm like, I, I can't imagine doing that until I retire. Like I would just like, I would just hate everything and I'd be a miserable person. And now doing different things in my business and stuff that I do love. I'm like, couldn't pay me to retire. Like I'll probably be working till I die. You know what I mean? Like I just love it so much. And I think that that's a real clear indication of if you are holding on to things, you know, the pay is good, the vacation time, I have seniority there. I have all these things. Those are not good enough reasons to not fulfill your, your purpose, you know? And, and so what, what kind of advice could you give to people like, that are feeling this way, but maybe they don't have a health scare like how, what you had, like a big thing that was very obvious to you. What kind of advice could you give to people who are just going about their day, not feeling fulfilled, um, where they could have that realization without the struggle of a, of a health scare? Ooh, that's, a, that's a good question. That's a hard one. Um, I think... When you wake up in the morning, are you excited to get up for the day? That's a big thing. Like, are you happy and excited to get up to go to what you're doing? Is the workplace supportive of you? Do they support you in what your goals and ambitions are? Um, When you have any issues, are they supportive of that? Or do they kind of push it to the side? So like their values, do they kind of line up with your values and how you want to be treated and respected? 
that's something kind of to look at when kind of I think viewing is this really and and really deep down you know you just are afraid to get there I think is a big thing and I think for a long time I actually knew I just it's hard it's hard when you're in a marriage too and you have children it's like well we do have to provide for the children there's a financial thing right but I feel like now I life is just too short like honestly something could happen to your loved one something could happen the next day and it's just to keep doing the motions of it like even if you're going to have to take a pay cut and maybe you're going to have to cut out different things financially, right? If that's an issue or concern, I feel like it will work out the way it's supposed to be. You might have to make changes or adjustments for that, but it's worth it in the end to have that freedom, to have that lightness to yourself, to be you know, loved and valued in what you're doing. Um, so I think that that could be something. Um, and I think maybe... I mean, if you praying is a big thing for me or reading things that give kind of insight into the way I might be thinking, but I kind of, cause when I'm reading different things, so I have devotionals I'll read, but also journaling gratitude or um, some of those practices I find help open your mind up to thinking a little bit differently too. So maybe even a personal development book of something um, can be helpful or journaling your thoughts of what's kind of bugging you in your life. I would even say to therapy, I really would advocate for that because if someone is really struggling, not wanting to get up, you know, miserable, they're not really sure what that is. That could be something too, that might, might help. And that's something I've had to do. I I would not have gotten through this whole time, I think without not doing that. So that would be another thing. I don't know if that answers. That is okay. (laughs) This is like the best ever. Like you just gave so much like amazing advice. I got goosebumps like five times and you're talking so good. And I just couldn't agree more. It's so true when you were like, you actually just know, like you're just denying it. But like deep down inside, you know, if you are somewhere where you get excited to wake up in the morning. And because I think too, when people don't have, like when people don't experience that excitement to wake up in the morning, because they never have, like they they had to wake up for school or they had to wake up for, you know, their job in high school. Maybe they worked at Tim Hortons. Like they're not really that excited to wake up to go to, to go to work. And then you just, you kind of carry that through your entire life. So you just think that that's normal and you don't realize that there, there's, there could be such a better normal though. Like you could create like such a beautiful life and that like, no, you should actually be excited when you wake up in the morning. You should, you should feel comfortable going into work. You should work somewhere that you have the same values and that people are happy and supportive of you. And yeah, cause I think like too often we just justify it and we're just like, yeah, you know, like you said, I have a family, I have a, I have a house, I have, you know, kids and everything like that. And it's, it is, it's so easy to justify that because it actually makes sense. It's a very logical justification. It makes sense, dollars and cents. But at the end of the day, like you said, what, what, what is the point to life? I mean, you could, you can find a job anywhere that would fulfill you if you're focusing on your strengths or, or what you actually want to do. And something that I've learned recently, actually, um, I hadn't, I've always been like, uh, spiritual, I would say. And I do believe in God. And I also believe in the universe. I just believe in everything. (laughs) And, um, I believe that, you know, everybody can have their own beliefs and stuff like that. But like I said, I think that everybody needs to believe in something. I think that is the underlying thing that if you don't believe in anything, like life is just going to be shit. It's going to be hard. Um, and one thing I've learned recently is that one of the Bible scriptures says that, 
if you something along the lines of like, if you are following your gift that God gave to you, then God will actually make room for you in, in the world. And God will bring these opportunities to you. All your only job in this world is to recognize what your gift is and pursue it and don't do anything else that is not what your actual gift is. And then it's not your job to, 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 to determine which route you're going to take with it. Just let God bring the opportunities to you. And then you decide from there what direction you go in. And I only found that out this year. So I just thought like, that is so amazing. Oh my God. Yeah. It's so cool. And I'm like, it makes so much sense to me. And I'm like, I'm just going to live my life like this. Like with this Bible scripture is I've never been into the Bible. I went to a Catholic uh, school and stuff like that. So I know all about it, but like that, one really hit home with me and I was like, oh my God, it's so true because when you're pursuing your gift of what you're actually good at and what you love, you are excited to wake up in the morning and you're happy about life and everything, right? And then the opportunities will come. Like even with you, um, you know, you're following all of these things that you love to do, your your fitness and your health and stuff. And, and the more you do that, the more opportunities are going to come, right? Mm-hmm. No, I love that about the scripture. And that's something too, like I um, grew up going to church all my life. Um, we actually came into the Catholic faith um, maybe four years ago um, as a family. And so I've never really picked up scripture. So a lot of these devotionals I have are kind of everyday things to look at, but scriptures. And I find it really fascinating that there's everyday things that we struggle with. There's like, there's like meaning and purpose behind it. Um, and I agree about having, really agree with you on having something bigger than ourselves because if it's all about us and me and I and not looking at a bigger picture picture of helping others or our true passion or giving beautiful things to this world to make it a better place and be a better place, it's, it won't be that way. So I feel like there has to be um, people or things that outside of ourselves that were, I don't know. Yeah. So whatever you, when you had said, I really relate to it. Yeah. Completely on the head with that there's so many people that don't even um, put any thought into it too. Like, actually, I think most people don't put any thought into believing in God or the universe or, or something bigger than themselves. And if they did, they would have so much less anxiety because like, that's, I feel like that's where anxiety comes from because you just feel like you need to have all the answers. You need to know what to do. But if you turn your, you turn that over to something greater than you and just believe, you know, you know, God has my back or whatever. And, and you just turn it over, you release all of the anxiety. Like it's literally not even there anymore. And so cool. And I remember I read, I read the book um, by Gabby Bernstein, the universe has your back and it's, it's about the universe, but you could use God as example. And, and it's, it's so true. She's talking about this whole concept of like, you know, we're, we're so, we have so much anxiety and depression, but if you just turn that over to God or the universe and, and just you carry on with your everyday life and, and let God or the universe worry about all of this bigger stuff that you're creating um, anxiety and depression around, you just be so much happier. It's like yeah. so crazy. And once I read that, I was like, oh my God, like I, I literally had no anxiety from that moment on because I was like, I'm just, anytime I feel a little bit of it, I'm like, Oh, no, that's, that's for God to deal with. Not, not my job to deal with that. And I, that's my belief, but giving it right. Because Mm -hmm. right now I'm in the hospital bed. Like I need healing and I need strength. That's like, that's all I can focus on right now to get through it. So, um, yeah, like giving it 
and just trusting and believing in that, right? And absolutely. Yeah. It's so powerful and it's so healing. Amazing. So I wanted to ask, um, what does International Women's Day mean to you? It's a great celebration to acknowledge women of every race, generation, CEOs, to stay-at-home moms, anywhere in between to celebrate the work that we do. I think a lot of the time it's under-recognized and not as brought to light the power of what women can do. So I feel like opportunity to just acknowledge and appreciate that and bring light to different women and what they're doing in the world, the work they're doing. Yeah. Yeah. So true. Um, and what, what would you say would be a common misconception that you have had personally of other women? And I just think like this topic of having uh, misconceptions or like uh, our own perceptions of what other people are like and stuff like that is such a good conversation to have because everybody has them. So for you, what is a common misconception that you've had of other women? I think for me, and this, I don't know, I, I, I think what I have thought, I don't necessarily feel this now, but a lot of women I feel are unkind, jealous, um, bullying behavior, hurtful. Uh, and that stems a lot from my past life experiences, really, in kinder, like in elementary school, even into adulthood with experiences of different women. And it just probably happens to be, I been around women who are hurt and have that hurt experience. But that has been something for me that I had that feeling in my head, like, you know, everyone, all women are like this, like, what's the point of even having friendships, because I'm usually hurt, or it's not um, a positive uplifting thing. So that's common that I've had, I would say in my life. Yeah, it's interesting that you say that because I've been asking this question to so many women on this series and literally everyone says similar to the exact same thing. So it's it's literally all and that's why I love asking this question because we all it's so weird that we all think the same things about each other, but like it but we also know better. Like we know that we, you know what I mean? And also it's interesting because it does, if you think back, it does stem from when you're, you're a child and you're growing up and in your teenage years, like those are where those misconceptions are formed. And it's like, because we're all developing, we don't know how to do anything or deal with life and stuff like that. And so we, that misconception is formed for, I would say every single woman at that age, like if, if you have never experienced some, like a woman being like catty to you or gossiping or being unkind or, you know, talking behind your back or whatever, like every single woman has experienced that, like at some point. And, and it's just a matter of how do we uh, go through our adult lives now and get rid of those misconceptions? Because even in my life, like I've found it really hard to get past those misconceptions and form like genuine friendships with really kind, like like-minded people. Um, and, and honestly, it wasn't until the last three years where I've actually made an effort to do that because I did have those misconceptions my entire life, like even throughout my late twenties and everything like that. And it, it really was holding me back from even having an interest in wanting to be friends with other women. Right. And it's crazy. I found that um, just in my experiences that I've had in you know childhood and in adult life, actually more recently in the job that I was in a lot of hurt by other women, but I know um, a big part of me 
knows that it's like forgiving that, right? Forgiveness is a big thing to overcome that because I know that usually those people are going through their own hurt or have been hurt and that's what they're doing to others, right? So, mm-hmm. but that's, that has been probably my biggest misconception and just myself, I know um, meeting other true authentic people and having connections that are of real value that actually lift me up versus drain me is a big thing that um, knowing that it's not true, that not all women are that way. It just happens to be, I've maybe been in the wrong situations or been the brunt of someone else's bad day or that type of thing. And I think there are a lot of unhealed and unhealthy people in the world too, that it takes a lot of work to get your soul right. So if you're not doing that work, sometimes you don't even know what you're projecting out into the world onto other people as well. So yeah, so just, I, I'm, know that um, meeting other people and having those good connections that there are good authentic people that meet me where I'm at and what I need in friendships. So experiences have just been that in the past. So yeah, forgiveness is a big thing for me, just letting that go. Yeah, that makes sense. It's so it's really cool too. Like I find like the more authentic that we are as individuals, then the more we're able to attract really like minded people. Because if we just continue in those friendships that are draining and not serving us and stuff, I mean, we're really not being authentic to ourselves and who we are. And so we just keep attracting more of those types of people instead of the people who like fulfill us and lift us up and stuff like that. So how how have you been able to move past that? Like, was it just you decided that I'm going to just take a chance and hope for the best? Like, how did that happen? I think to putting myself out there, um, because I was kind of at the point where like, what's the point? Like, mm-hmm. I don't really need friendships. Like I have my husband, I have my kids, you know, yeah. I don't need to have adult friendships, but I do, I do need that. I need that connection with other women because I have three boys. Like boys are different than women, right? And I need yeah. to have authentic connections with people that, you know, give me a different perspective or challenge me in a certain way. Or a big part was just letting that past experiences of hurt go. Because some things that have happened to me have been so deeply, like very hurtful. Um, and not necessarily even really friendships and colleague situations. So trying to, yeah, give benefit of the doubt. Out, but also hold boundaries is another thing I have been working on before. I think I was just very open and kind all the time. And I think there's boundaries for certain people that I maybe just didn't have held up as well too. And then people treating you a certain way because of that boundary. So, and finding authentic friendships that actually um, I connect well with and fuel me up kind of thing has been another big part. And the friendships that don't just letting those go. Yeah, I love what you said about boundaries. That's so important to building really good connections with people. And uh, that's something that I've learned too. Like I've, I've, I wouldn't say I've always had good boundaries, but I learned boundaries at a younger, like at a younger age because of my childhood and stuff and how I grew up. But I learned that people that don't have boundaries in their own lives are really difficult to be friends with because they don't understand your boundaries. So that makes it really hard. Um, and boundaries are just a, just a really important part of healthy relationships. And I also think like the more you, once you take that first step of being like, I'm going to put myself out there, I'm going to make some friends, see how it goes, take the chance. And then the more you do find people who are like you, the more momentum you get and the more you understand like, yeah, there are good people out there that do share similar values and that do care that I'm like living my best 
best life and that support you and cheer you on and stuff like that. So once you realize that that is actually like, you can find that, which I feel like we, we just thought that we couldn't. I know that I definitely thought that that didn't even exist. So once you realize it exists, then you kind of gain momentum and then you, you know, pay more attention and you're more intentional to the people that you let close to you in your life. Right. So mm-hmm. I think that's really, 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 really cool. Um, and so last couple of questions here. What is your best piece of advice that you can offer other women? So I, I have a few. <laughs> um, I would say you have the ability within yourself to choose how you show up in your life. You have that choice and ability to make yourself a priority or not. So if you make yourself a priority to prayer or journal or exercise what you choose to eat. So knowing that you have that ability within yourself, yeah, that you have that choice and ability to choose what you want for yourself, that it's in your control. You just have to believe in yourself to do it and, and, and do it versus making the excuses of why you can't is a big one. Um, And the other thing I would say, whatever you're going through, you're never alone. So whatever that is for you, there's always somebody there. So even though when I was going through, I was going through, I thought like, I'm alone. There's no one here. I'm like, no, God's here. He's with me. Like my family physically isn't here, but they're with me. If I have to call them or text them. So also when I was in hospital, like I needed social work. Like I was like, I need somebody to talk to because my family isn't here. I have nobody coming to see me. So I asked for that. So as I asked for what I needed. Um, and it's hard because it's hard to be vulnerable to say, you know what? I do need to talk to someone right now because my mental health isn't good. And it's hard to do that. But when you do that and you make that step into the hard thing, you just feel amazing. Like, wow, I can actually do it. It's just to go beyond the other side of that hard. So that's another part, like pushing through the hard. There's always something good on the other side of it. It might not be like it in the time, but there is something good come of it. That is so true. That is such great advice. Um, like both pieces of advice like are so, so good. And I, I know that any of my listeners are going to take that and I hope they run with it because it's so true and it's so important. And um, just knowing that you're not alone and knowing that every single person struggles is like just it, it, it's almost like a relieving feeling knowing that you're not the only one going through hard times. And the more vulnerable that you're able to be, the the better you're going to create connections with other people too. And you're going to help them themselves as well. Like you're going to be able to help other people, the more vulnerable and open that you are too. So that is very, very powerful advice. And I think that's amazing. So where can people find you and connect with you, Vanessa? Oh, (laughs) Um, well, I am on Instagram. I have a kind of a fitness account there so that's where you can connect with Vanessa L. McBee yeah really and I am actually on Facebook as well there's a health and beauty um, link Vanessa's um, health and beauty too um, yeah, send me a message through Instagram and amazing. And so I'm going to definitely link your Instagram account and stuff like that below. So anyone listening can connect with you because that is the whole point of these podcasts is to listen to other people's stories and find new connections and stuff like that. So I think that that's amazing. And so thank you so much, Vanessa, for being part of Scrap the Sweet Talk podcast and opening up and sharing your very vulnerable story. I know that it's going to help so many 
women. And I just really appreciate and value you so much. And I'm grateful to have you in my life. And I'm excited to see you tomorrow. <laughs> and I want to say thank you so much for having me on your podcast. It's been an honor. Um, it's the first time experience for me being able to share my story really openly. So I appreciate you and um, our friendship. And I look forward to our hike tomorrow as well. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks, Vanessa. We'll see you tomorrow. Bye. Bye.